Hello, and welcome to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Camuso Miller. I'm a public affairs professional in Washington, D.C., and I interview members of the media about their background, about how they got into journalism, and lots of other topics. The Friday Reporter is a PR Daily podcast. Check out PR Daily for ideas, inspiration, and trends on all things public affairs and to find the Friday Reporter podcast. Well, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter podcast. Today's episode, I am joined by Daniel Lippman from Politico, who many of you know. Daniel, thanks so much for being with me. Thanks for having me. So, Daniel, tell me a little bit about how it is. I know you um, spent a little time at a publication before you were at Politico, but talk to me a little bit about how it is you got into journalism, how you got your start. Sure. So I kind of had an unusual start because I was always interested in the news, which covers lots of reporters, but I had a, a way in which was pretty unorthodox where I would read lots of news and I would see typos and errors and stories. And so I kind of took it upon myself in a volunteer capacity to uh, write lots of emails, thousands of emails over uh, a few years in high school and college, pointing out those typos and errors to reporters. Uh, And so that got me lots of connections and coffees and newsroom tours and internships. Uh, And so that uh, led me to get the eye of Mike Allen and, uh, you know, and Jim Bendehai. And so that uh, was kind of a crucial way in which, and it was not a planned thing. It was just more like if you're a mainstream top publication, you should at least read your work after it's published. And so, um, but evidently there was just lots of typos that were ripe for the picking. I had heard that story about you before. I wasn't sure that that was totally true, but how, how, um, resourceful of you to think to do that and make yourself a value to those folks uh, as well. And so from there, how did, how did it unfold? How did your background unfold? So the New Yorker and Politico, they did profiles of me for uh, kind of similar stuff. The New Yorker was for my questions to ask the White House, which was an online forum during the Bush White House uh, to senior cabinet officials and other uh, top uh, government uh, political appointees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Politico did the piece on me when I was a sophomore in college for writing those emails. And then Fox News made me a power player of the week for Fox News Sunday. Wow. Uh, and so that led to, you know, always, you know, good press uh, can help you build a brand and uh, gave, you know, caught the eye of people at Reuters and McClatchy and Wall Street Journal, where I did internships before joining Politico uh, in February uh, of 2014. Wow, that's great! And and you're right; it is. It's it's a uh, it's something that you've really sort of brought up and made it be part of of your brand. Um, talk to me a little but bit about, also, please. But also, they kind of. Um, so, you know, Mike Allen reached out and I did a trial period for him as a researcher mm-hmm. uh, for Playbook. And then so I, I did Playbook for five years before becoming a White House and Washington reporter mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. And so I stayed on uh, after he left uh, and I still, you know, it's, it's a great brand. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we have a, a cool team that, that works on it. Uh, and so... I think that, you know, it's great to see these types of products just 
continue on and get even more successful even after I've stepped off of it. No question. I mean, it's really become the lifeblood of of really the must read first thing in the morning. What is it that's happening? What is it that the playbook is reporting? Because it's really going to be the kinds of elements of, of what will drive the day. Uh, but what I love about your background too, is that you really are a constant consumer, even today, uh, of the news. I mean, your Twitter feed, it, for me is, you know, what is Daniel reading? It's always something I feel like something I've missed that's incredibly relevant and interesting. Uh, so it really is sort of a, a check for me as well. You know, what is it that Daniel's sharing as it relates to journalism? Um, and so you, this has always been a, a, a passion for you. This has been something you've always been tremendously interested in. Yeah, so I grew up in the Berkshires in a small town of 7,000 people. And so we didn't have, yeah, I didn't have a TV on or even we didn't have cable TV in general. And so uh, I got into reading the newspaper, the local paper, and then, you know, sometimes uh, the you know New York Times uh, or Wall Street Journal. And so I kind of saw the news as a way into a more, uh, you know, more significant career path. And I wanted to serve the public and, and journalists do that. Uh, and so the the way I kind of, yeah, other people choose working on Capitol Hill. I was a house page when I was in high school, mm -hmm. uh, but later I kind of determined that, you know, if you, if you ran for office, it just, it's so much money you have to fundraise and it's, you have to run for reelection all the time. And so I wanted to serve the public by holding people accountable and holding power uh, to account and, fi and finding out stuff that people don't want out there. Uh, of course, there's parts of my job that, you know, dealing with PR people that are pitching stuff. And so it's mm -hmm. it's a mix, which is which I like of the more harder hitting feature stories versus uh, some of those blurbs of, you know, this person got this new job or, uh, you know, people still ping me uh, for birthdays. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, the it's just kind of a, a, a way uh, you, you want to really serve your reader uh and that's what play you know politico has done mm -hmm. um and it, you know it's it's good to uh you know if, if you look at my twitter feed that's kind of a a, heart, a small handful of the stories i'm reading I'm, there's lots of if you look at my phone there's tons of text chains i'm having with you know where i share relevant news to friends of mine and contacts and sources mm -hmm. um and that's a good way to stay in touch with people because uh, you, you know, I don't want to be calling sources when I just need stuff. Uh, exactly. I want to be uh, kind of sending links uh, when there's not a relevant article that I'm working on that I need their help on. And then they're sure. more likely to answer their call. Yeah, and I, and I think too, I think that's good advice for for PR folks as well. Is that and, and I've said it in previous episodes is that it's really important to not. Uh, not only check in with your with your media contacts when you need something or you have a story that you must sell. It's it's great also to just connect and share and you know get perspective. So that's for you. Obviously, I mean it's been a great resource because not only are you one of the best source reporters in town, but you're also really good about staying in good contact with folks like that, even when you know even when there isn't news to be had at the time. Yeah, I think that's. Uh you know, obviously journalists want PR people to share gossip and uh, tips about not just their client stuff, but just stuff they've heard around town. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think they do, but not everyone does that. And journalists, 
And I think it would serve PR people better if they uh, did that more so that, you know, when you do need something for your client, that you kind of have that built in goodwill Absolutely. Uh, by helping journalists with uh, other stories um, that are less self-interested. For sure. And I, I mean, I know you're reading lots of different things, but Daniel, tell me a little bit about your beat today. Obviously, you're covering Washington, you're covering the White House. What kinds of stories intrigue you? Like, what kinds of things are you really looking out for over the course of the time? So it's a lot of lobbying stories. I've written about uh, Amazon hiring former uh, government officials. So that's kind of an interesting uh, topic for me. Um, you know, national security is one of my interests as well. Um, and, you know, Homeland Security, um, what, what's going on over there? And also, the you know, the January 6th investigation, I've done, I've broken a number of stories about the Capitol Police, uh, mm. you know, short timelines. And I, I found, you know, there's a whistleblower uh, who I, you know, got the scoop on. And so I only do scoops and exclusives in my stories. And so uh. that limits, you know, that makes me, uh, it's, it's kind of a freeing thing where I'm not I was gonna ask you. chasing the soccer ball mm-hmm. of everyone, you know, reading, you know, uh, what's going on and build back better, which of course is so important. And I, and I uh, you know, think uh, that's a very key topic for readers, but, um, unless I'm an expert in that, I'm, you know, unless I can break some news on that, then I'm not going to. That's write not about your space. That. Yeah, and, and I mean, besides, you have lots of other journalists that are inside yeah. of Politico that are focused very heavily on those kinds of things. So the fact that that's you're looking for more of that exclusive, that high level, you know, what's the new, what's the breaking, what's the investigative stuff? That's boy, that's a lot of fun. That's a fun beat for you too. I bet. I bet this town yeah. is it's always happening here. Yeah, and I think my I'm a kind of a resource for my colleagues when, you know, they are like, "Hey, do you have this person's contact?" And I dig it up, or I have it already, or uh, use LexisNexis to find it, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, sending links to various newsletters that we have. We have some great policy newsletters, the morning ones that some of which are free, but a lot of them are are paywalled through mm-hmm. the our Politico Pro. Um, but I kind of have a good sense of what is new. And so when other publications write about stuff that might be good to be linked to in say morning transportation or political influence, then I, you know, send it on. Um, and just in case, you know, make sure that my colleagues see that. Uh, and so people, you know, pitch me sometimes those, those links, but it's mostly, I just find them on my own in the course of, you know, doing daily, you know, twice daily news checks. Sure, sure. And I mean, the newsletters that Politico puts out, and I've said it before on previous um, episodes with other colleagues of yours that I've chatted with, who some of folks that that work on those newsletters, they are, they set the tone for the day. So as much as Politico playbook sets the tone for sort of how Washington is operating, each and every one of those segments really sort of helps people in their various uh, policy areas understand what's moving and what's happening in a way that is just... It is really tremendously helpful, and and you guys really you, you set the bar for everyone else when it came time to really offer that kind of information and that that value is is there. And and now plenty of other people are replicating that um, in their own reporting as well. Yeah, there's been all these competitor newsletters that have started, and um, I haven't read a ton of the you know policy ones. Of course, I. I um, you know, I keep an eye on the landscape of the morning uh, newsletters because I'm 
kind of still a, a newsletter junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, you know, in terms of being a, a consumer of our newsletters, and it's nice to read Playbook when you're not, uh, you know, working on it. Um, and so I have a, you know, Politico has picked a great uh, team of, you know, Eugene Daniels, Rachel Bade, Ryan Lizza, Taryn Palmieri, uh, who are the uh, authors of it now. And so uh, I'm just a fan of their work and kind of um, like uh, to cheer them on. Um, but it's nice not to have to wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> I was going to say it is, a, it is a hard, knock. it's a hard knock life for sure. I mean, the, the hours and the work that's put into those is just tremendous. I mean, it's, it's part of the reason why it's so successful is because you guys put so much of, of your time and your it's effort into it. And, and it's also, I think, um, what I love about our morning newsletters is that they're written for both, uh, it's hard to describe, it's, it's kind of an informed, smart reader. And so even if I'm not, you know, I'm not obsessed with transportation or energy, I can still read our morning transportation, morning energy newsletters, mm-hmm. um, or at least just, you know, browse through them. And I'll learn something, and it's well written in a clear way. That's not doesn't make it too wonky, doesn't make it too insidery. Sure. Or in, in terms of niche, it definitely is insidery, but it's not. It doesn't feel it. Uh, you know, you don't have to go. Uh, yeah, you can't. You don't have to you go don't too have to deep. Go about yeah. Specific regula- You know, every regulation in the Federal Register. It's more uh, kind of high level stuff, but definitely with tons of nuggets that. Um, our subscribers find useful. Oh, for sure, for sure. And they, I think they distill it in a way that's useful, so that if you just need the newsletter, you can you can get that in and get on to the next thing. But if you need more information, there's always resources there. So that's really just been such a value. But Daniel, you are because you're you've always been sort of a you can see around the corner. You have a clearer crystal ball, maybe in terms of journalism. What kinds of trends? What kinds of things are you seeing now? Um, that that readers are really looking for. Can you talk to me a little bit about maybe, you know, look into your crystal ball, what kinds of things are coming on the horizon? What kinds of ways are people consuming information these days? Um, I think, you know, let's, let's, let me, let me put on my media expert hat that is sometimes out of uh, shape. The, uh, so Politico launched something called Politico Minutes, which is more of these shorter form articles. Mm -hmm. So not, full articles but still a uh, it can be a standalone piece where you can link to and um you know it's it's kind of a running blog but um with you know with bullet points and other other stuff like that so it's definitely there's kind of true trends where it's you know stuff is becoming shorter in terms of different items and newsletters and in, uh, in those in that type of form but also long form pieces still get lots of play uh and people consume them you, you know you can look at how long they spend um uh, a magazine piece and mm-hmm. you know several minutes uh, sometimes even longer um, as they absorb uh, you know the content and they and they read it but you just have to write stories that are um, that no one else has written and that uh, are distinctive and t- tell you something you didn't know um, and the you know in terms of other trends you look at Substack there's a number of people uh, like Matt Labash, uh, Andrew Sullivan that I subscribe to that I really uh, enjoy their work mm-hmm. uh, and so it's people who you know in, in Labash's case the Weekly Standard closed a couple of years ago was you know, shuttered by their uh, by the owner 
uh, for apparently ideological reasons, uh, because the Weekly Standard had become, uh, you know, critical of Trump, and and uh, the owner wanted to uh, kind of cultivate a Trumpy audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but there's still people who want to hear from Leigh Bash or from Sullivan, even though he's, they're not at mainstream publications. And sure. if you have a voice, you can find an audience. And so it does definitely seems it's across the ideological spectrum, but it does seem like conservatives have felt more shut out a little bit from the, from mainstream uh, publications. And there's mm-hmm. not that many smart conservative publications that are out there that are, uh, you know, not, um, that are kind of skeptical of the party ideology and, you know, how right. Trump is still here of the party. And so there's just a uh, few of those. And you see a rise in Newsmax and One American News, which are, you know, seem to be doing uh, pretty well. And, you know, these are for people, conservatives and Republicans who think Fox News is too moderate or liberal. And so they want to hear more of a, an adulterated pro-Trump, uh, you know, spin on the news. Sure. How have you seen, because of that, because of the change, I mean, Politico came online. It was built of all of my friends that were, you know, on the Hill and the friends that you were still familiar with. But but the news in general has changed dramatically in those 15, 17 years, however long it's been, um, in terms of this, that polarization. So there are so many, you know, so many conservative and so many uh, others that are there. Do you find that that makes it harder, easier, better to get access to stories? Do you, Maybe it's not an obstacle at all, but do you find that to be at all an obstacle to um, to how you report? It hasn't been an obstacle for me because uh, I've been very studious about uh, not, you know, tweeting much about what my opinion is. My opinion isn't relevant to my news. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not going to get in Twitter fights. Uh, and so... Uh, the I think I have the trust of both sides, people who are independent or nonpartisan, where um, you know all I'm looking for is a good story that will hold power accountable uh, or mm-hmm. just shine a light on what's going on. And so uh, it doesn't matter who is um, might look bad or might look good. It's just you know if I wanted to be an activist, I'd be an activist. But right. I kind of like being in in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean you don't call out. Donald Trump or other political leaders for lying. Uh, it just means that you, you call things straight. Right. Um, and so, but of course there's some people on the right more, uh, particularly that, you know, will not want to talk to me that, you know, consider all mainstream outlets, fake news, but that's mm. not generally the source base I'm talking to. No, right. Exactly. Um, that's more in the country. Um, but that definitely shows that, uh, you know, when people attack the press like Trump and other Republicans and Democrats sometimes, that there are real consequences too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, people take their cues from political leaders and, and right. media leaders. And mm-hmm. so it just has a, a cost where it seems like liberals are getting their news from the New York Times and MSNBC and conservatives are, you know, more from the Wall Street Journal or Fox News. Right. And that's, it would be nice to have, uh, uh, more of a uh, a uh, you know a country where people that the generally accepted facts like oh yeah vaccines are right uh, you know are, are very safe and they're effective mm-hmm. and needed to beat back the pandemic right uh, 
you know, we wish, I'd, I'd hope that that kind of, we see a revitalization of the truth. Well, um, and I, you know, I have said it before and I, I mean, it, it's part of the reason why I started the podcast in the first place, because I felt like the news media had been challenged and its credibility had been challenged. And I felt like, well, set all that aside, I have a lot of really smart colleagues and friends that work in the media space that I felt like had great stories to tell, which is part of the reason why I started this about you know, 10 months ago now. So, um, and, and, you know, I, and I, I have had some great conversations with friends from all across the country and, and it's predominantly folks from Washington, D.C., but as I continue on, my hope is to continue to talk to folks that lots of different places, not even, you know, not just in the U.S., but overseas as well, because I feel like there's a real conversation to be had there. Daniel, what um, what is your, do you have a, I mean, I'm sure you have many, many, but do you have, is there a must read for you in the morning besides the Politico playbook? Is there something that folks should get up and make sure they're taking a peek at before they get on with their day? Um, with, uh, you know, besides the Politico products, I look at the Newswires, you know, mm-hmm. AP Reuters, Bloomberg, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Drudge Report. Um, and then I look at a couple Twitter feeds, uh, Maggie Haberman mm-hmm. uh, from the New York Times, Blake Hounshell from the Times, uh, and Ben Smith, uh, from the Times, um, uh, you know, I think that they just do a great job in aggregating the news. And so that's kind of, uh, and then I look at, you know, my Twitter news feed of my colleagues and other sure. uh, reporters and pundit types and people, you know, f- other political leaders I follow, but, um, the, you know, I try to not look at Twitter much during the day because if it's on Twitter and that means it's been reported and that's <laughs> right. And that means, you, yeah, you got other things to do. Yeah, I want to actually be breaking news instead of just reading it passively. Yeah, yeah, no question. Uh, so in your bio, uh, it says that you are uh, you like to try out new restaurants in town. Uh, so I will put you on the spot. It is COVID, so maybe you've only got a favorite that you recommend in D.C. But since it's the Friday Reporter and folks are always looking for good new restaurants or good movies to see or great books to read, uh, do you have a recommendation for uh, Friday Reporter listeners? Uh, so yes, I have two recommendations. Um, one is Gravitas is a new restaurant or pretty new. Um, it's in Northeast. It has a tasting menu. It's near the Compass Coffee Roastery. Um, and it's just as, you know, it's just a tremendous restaurant. Uh, one I want to try is called Imperfecto, uh, an Italian place that I heard good things about from some friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of TV shows, big Succession fan, mm. um, and let's see, movies. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been. To, it seems like the movies are just not. No, they're not less of a priority. <laughs> and so, but I do. There's one book I would like to recommend, which is um, the Empire of Pain. Uh, Empire of Pain. It's about the Sackler family and the. Um, opioid epidemic and it's oh, that'd be a great not, read and it's it's you know i read it in a few days uh it's a pretty new book probably mm-hmm. gonna win some awards mm-hmm. i think it's a times bestseller and it's just so fascinating and it's not you know you're not gonna read about you know every victim and their death it's more about this is a uh, you know also a business story and also kind of a story of a family um that you know marketed this uh, drug uh, irresponsibly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know in many people's eyes and so 
that's uh you know what uh that's what i've been recommending and buying for some friends awesome well it's great and here we are we're right at the holidays so i'm asking for all the recommendations for restaurants and books i mean we've you and i have lots of friends in common who are who are publishing books and doing new things too so anytime we can help promote or share uh that would be an interesting read so i'm going to put that on my list thank you so much um and we've come almost to the end of our conversation. So I want to make sure that I get your recommendation on a journalist or uh, someone for a future guest for the podcast. Uh, one person uh, is a friend of mine, uh, Robert Costa. He uh, wrote and co-wrote the latest uh, book uh, with Bob Woodward. He's at the Washington Post national political reporter, a great guy mm-hmm. and I think he'd be for a good guest. Awesome. Well, I'll tell him you recommended him. I know who that is. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much for being with me today. It was such a treat. Thanks for having me, Lisa. And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.